0: All right, we're in week number two of a multi-part series. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad we did not run you off last week. If we did, I hope you'll come back. I hope you made it to at least Facebook Live this morning. I hope you'll come back. This is some uh, stuff we need in our lives. In fact, I'm trying to teach you something that I have been trying to learn myself from experts. Over the past four or five months, I've been trying to implement changes and and. And things in my life, and I'm doing my absolute best to share this with you as accurately as possible, the way it's been taught to me. I have a certain way of living, we all do, we all have certain ways of living, ways of doing things through this life. And for me, the big deal really, for me as it is with most of us, is this one word called shame, Because with that word comes so many things into my life. With that word, shame brings a whole lot of feelings. Into my life. It brings me a lot of things that are very uncomfortable, a lot of discomfort. It brings me a lot of hurt. And because of all of that, then I have a tendency to come and choose from all the armor that I have available to me, and I begin to suit up. I begin to armor up because of the feelings that are associated with shame, that discomfort, and that hurt, and that pain. And I have a tendency to put on this armor. And we are experts. If you are anywhere close to my age, you by now are an expert at armoring up. And 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 we do this to protect ourselves. That's why we do it. It is this self-protective armor. We're trying to protect. We're trying to keep away those feelings that are attached to shame. But really, what, ultimately what happens is we really begin to seal with armor. We seal ourselves away from the feelings of others. Because we don't want anything to do with their feelings. So we seal ourselves away from those. And we take our feelings and we lock them up deep inside. And we just ignore them. And we just kind of bury them, push them under under the bed and and under the carpet and behind the door and into the walls. And we just bury them, lock them up, leave them, and we try to ignore all of our feelings. So we don't want to let their feelings in. So that's why we have all the armor. We shield ourselves from their feelings. We shield ourselves from them, and we don't want to let any of ours out. And so we lock those up. Because It feels unsafe to let their feelings in and to let our feelings out. It feels unsafe. It feels very unpredictable. It feels like very much like something we cannot control at all. And Paul says that is a way of living. We have all kind of learned how to live that way. We live that way. We live that way. We armor up. We armor up. He says, but wait, wait, there's a better way. And here's how he words that. He says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. And that's what we started with last week. And Paul goes on to say this. He says, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith, he said, that I could actually move mountains, but I didn't love others. He said, I would be nothing. So Paul is saying this better way of life, this better way of life is a way of love. In this series, we're going to be challenging you to understand something. We're going to be challenging you to understand that there is for each one of us a relationship arena that exists. And when I use the word relationship, I'm talking about all your relationships, It is your relationships with your coworkers, your relationship with your boss, your relationship, yes, too, with your spouse or fiance or a girlfriend or boyfriend, your relationship with your parents and your children and your siblings, your relationships everywhere across the board. There are relationships with each one of those people. You have a relationship arena that exists, and it is inside that arena where all the work And that relationship takes place. And we're challenging you. For every relationship in your life that is valuable to you, we're challenging you to get into the arena with that person, that person you care about. But here's the truth. You're not getting into that arena to do battle with that person. No. You're getting into that relationship arena with that person to battle together shame and everything that shame brings. And in order to do that, you're going to have to leave your armor behind. You're going to have to dismantle it and let it drop to the ground. Getting into the arena with that other person is the loving thing to do. And it's going to take you courage to step in and to leave all of your armor behind. It's going to take courage. It's going to take this one word we hate, vulnerability, for you to stay in the arena and to leave your armor on the ground. It's going to take vulnerability. But see, there's a real problem for most of us. Vulnerability. Some of you ladies are saying, hold your horses there, Harley. Hold on. Hold on. Vulnerability? No way. That's weakness. I'm a country girl, you might say. That's weakness. And I'm strong. No, I'm not going to be vulnerable. Some of you men are saying, vulnerable? I just cowboy up, and I just make it through. I'm not going to be vulnerable. Ladies, you say, vulnerability? Yeah, yeah, right. You say, I come from a long line of strong women. Because if we're not strong, that means people walk all over you. So I'm not going to be vulnerable. I come from a line of strong women. Some of you men are saying, you're just going to need to simmer down there, Harley, because I don't do vulnerability. I don't need all this relationship stuff. I'm doing just fine, and I can do this life on my own the way I've been doing it. And there may just be somebody who's saying, okay, Maybe. Maybe I'll do vulnerability, maybe, but if I am, I'm going to control it. It's going to be done my way. If I have to be vulnerable, then I'm going to work really hard to figure this thing out so I can remove the uncertainty from vulnerability, and I can remove the discomfort, and I can remove the risk. And if I can control it, then I'll be vulnerable. But here's the problem. The very definition of the word vulnerability means that won't work. Definition number one, vulnerability says capable of being physically or emotionally wounded. Definition number two says you are open to attack or damage. We cannot remove the discomfort. We cannot remove the, the uh, element of uncertainty from vulnerability. But we all have a reaction. When I say you need to be vulnerable, something inside of us has a reaction. And one of those reactions, have you ever seen a a dog that has been abused or mistreated? Look at this picture here. Our reaction to vulnerability usually has to do with our experience from the past. Our experience with other people. And so when we think of being vulnerable, sometimes we think like this have have you ever seen we kind of have a reaction that's kind of wounded from our past we're kind of weary we're just we we have this attitude that says this okay well, whatever you want whatever you want that's that's what we'll do whatever will make you happy that's what we're going to strive for because Maybe in the past you have been hurt when somebody was unhappy, and so your goal is to keep them happy at all costs. So maybe in your relationship you have become the peacemaker in your family or in your home or in other relationships at work. You've become the peacemaker. Happiness at all costs. So whatever you want, whatever's going to make you happy, that's what we're going to make. So you're trying to avoid all the ripples, trying to avoid all the problems, trying to smooth everything out, get everything fixed, if it's going to be fixed, it's up to you. And so, and, but here's the problem. That reaction, that reaction to vulnerability is saying this, I don't trust you. I don't trust your reaction. I have been hurt in the past when you were unhappy or when you were discontented or you were uncomfortable. I was hurt, and I don't trust your reaction, so I'm not sure. So my reaction is going to be to make, every, make sure there are no wrinkles and that you are happy because I don't want to face what I faced last time. And that sounds like a way to handle things, but the truth is that is armor, And you have the armor, and that's the armor. The armor is I'm going to fix everything and make it happy and smooth because I don't trust your reaction. That's the armor. And it's based upon the experience you had with that person or somebody like them or just somebody else in the past. And you've carried it into this life with this armor. That's armor, that's our reaction but maybe your reaction was not this maybe your reaction is more like this look at this next dog this next one this next one is aggressive but it's also based upon the experience of the past because some of us have learned from past experience that if we're going to survive we're going to have to be aggressive if we're going to make it, we're, it's not. I'm not going to wait for someone to hurt me. I'm going to go after them. Or I'm not going to wait and allow them the opportunity. I'm going to scare them off so they don't ever even get close at all. So I'm going to be aggressive. And that is also armor that we have put on related to, I am not going to be vulnerable. I've done that in the past, and I was hurt. I was burned. I was taken advantage of. I was abused. I am not going back to that point. So I'm going to be aggressive. I'm not going back there. That also says, no one's going to hurt me again. That says, I don't trust you or you. I don't trust anyone. I don't trust you. And to add to that, it's not just armor protecting yourself, but you usually you usually find some weapons along the way to help you. You usually find weapons to help you out. That's how we armor up. There's just two ways when it comes to vulnerability. You see someone in your past has said, "Hey, I love you." That's what they said with their words, but then their decisions that they made told you something different. Their decisions that they made told you this, "Yeah, I may love you, but my love hurts." They may have told you with your mouth, "Hey, I love you." But the decisions and the reactions, the things that they did said this, "Yeah, um I would rather you hurt than me. With their mouth, they said, I love you. But with their decisions, they said this. They said, if I'm hurt, well, you better be prepared because then you're going to hurt too. And as a result, we don't trust them. We don't trust them. We don't trust them. We don't trust their decisions that they'll make. We don't trust their reactions to us. We don't trust their responses to us. We just don't trust them. You see, if we were to trust them with our feelings, if we were to trust them and open up with vulnerability and trust them with our insecurities, with that vulnerability, that would be very, very dangerous. But I do believe this, that through the course of this series, I believe that we can make vulnerability together, we can make it less dangerous. And here's why. Because love, real love, does not mean I would rather hurt you than me. That's the way of the armor. That's not love. The way of the arena, Paul says, well, there's a better way. And he goes on, and he tells us this. He says, love is patient and kind. Love is patient and love is kind. He says, that's the better way to live. Now imagine with me for a moment. Everyone in your life is holding a jar for you. In every relationship that you have, your boss, your co-workers, your family, your children, your siblings... Everyone in your life is holding a jar for you. And guess what? You're holding one for them. Now, how we carry all this baggage, I have no idea. But just picture this with me. Everyone in your life is holding a jar for you. You are holding one for them. Everyone in your life. We're going to call this the love, trust, jar. When you have a good behavior... that person puts a marble in your jar. If you have a bad behavior toward them, that person takes a marble out of your jar. And you do the same. If they have a good behavior toward you, you put one in their jar. If they have a bad behavior towards you, you take one out of their jar. When they have a good reaction towards you, you put one in their jar. When they have a bad reaction towards you, you take one out of their jar. Everybody's got one of these. When there's a good attitude towards you, you put one in. When there's a bad one, you take one out. Same thing for you. You're holding a jar for them, they're holding a jar for you. When you do what you say that you will do, guess what? They put one in your jar. If you don't do what you said that you would do, they take one out. Happens every time. Good goes in, the bad it comes out. When you are kind to them, guess what happens? When you're kind to that person, they put one in your jar. When you are unkind to that person, they take one out of your jar. And you do the same thing for them. When you are respectful to that person, they put one in your jar. When you are disrespectful to that person, they take one out. Happens every single time. When you are kind, it goes in. When you are short with them, it comes out. When they keep your secret, you get one in. When you blab their secret, it comes out. It happens every time. So who do you trust? Who do you trust? You trust the person who has the fullest jar, right? I mean, that's a given. You're not going to trust this person. Who do you trust? You trust this person. Trust is gained. In the small moments in life. That's how trust is gained. Trust is gained in the small moments. Not the big moments. The small moments. Not the flashy moments. No, it's not gained in the flashy moments. It's gained behind the scenes. But we have a tendency to think of it. Well, we have, we have behind the scene moments. And then we have... Over here, behind the scenes, these small moments, then we have the big flashy moments over here, and we think, oh, I'll make up ground over here in the big, big moments, in the flashy moments. We'll maybe make up some ground in the holidays, and the birthdays, and the anniversaries, and when there's a big win, woo, we'll celebrate that. We'll make up ground over here, get some more marbles in over here in the big moments, but it didn't happen that way. It's not when everyone else is watching, it's over here behind the scenes. When maybe only one person is watching. Most of the marbles go into the trust bucket in the small moments. There are not enough big moments in our lives for us to depend on to fill any trust bucket. It will never happen in the big moments. You know why? For every one big moment, there are thousands of small moments. Every love trust jar is filled mostly in the small moments. The little things, you paying very close attention to that person and what they're saying, listening to them without distraction, without looking at your phone, without checking that message, listening to them without distraction. Acts of genuine care toward that other person. You get marbles placed in those small moments, in those selfless moments. When it's not my preference, you know, I have a preference, but not my preference. Let's let's go with yours. The selfless moments. There's a relationship um, researcher. His last name is Gottman. I don't believe he's a believer, but I'm not sure about that. But he predicts, Accurately, which relationships will end. Pretty fascinating. It's what he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse. So he's kind of playing off of the end times theme there. And he says, when these four things show up, you better watch out. It's the end of a relationship. In other words, when these things show up long enough without being checked, without being corrected, without being changed, the relationship will end. And he can predict it with accuracy 90% of the time. You want to know what those four things are? Here's the first. He said when criticism shows up unchecked without being changed, without being corrected. Criticism. Criticism says this. I know. I know. You don't know. I know. I know. See? Look at you. I know. Criticism. And every time you are critical, every time you have criticism in that relationship, guess what happens? Marble comes out. Every time. He says criticism. But Paul says, no, 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 no. There's a better way. Not criticism. No not criticism. Paul says, he goes on, he says, love is not proud. And criticism is full of pride. It says, I know, you got to listen to me. I know, you don't know. See, look at you. I know. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Love is not proud. That's the first one is criticism. He says the second one is defensiveness. Now defensiveness says this is your fault. It's not my fault. Hey, this isn't on me. This is your fault. This is all your fault. I don't have a role in this. I didn't play a role in this. This, I didn't play a part in this. This is on you. This is your fault. And every time you are defensive and you blame them, the marble comes out of the trust jar every single time. Defensiveness. But Paul says, no, 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 not defensiveness. There's a better way to live. Love keeps no record of being wronged. And when we're defensive, we're holding up that scorecard. You blew it here, your fault. You blew it here, again, your fault. You blew it here, your fault too. Not mine. And Paul says, no, 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 no. Love keeps no record Of being wronged. That's the second one. The third one is called stonewalling. Stonewalling. Stonewalling says this. One of the people in the relationship says this. I give up. It's useless. I give up. There is no use. I give up. Before you see something to resolution you throw up your arms, and you say, I just give up. Stonewalling. And when you stonewall, when you refuse to go any further, when you refuse to take it any further, and you just give up, marble comes out every single time. But Paul says, no, 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 don't give up. He says, love never gives up. There's no room for stonewalling in any relationship. It does not give up. Now the next one, it's a biggie. In fact, it's the most dangerous of all. When this fourth one shows up, it just almost locks it down if it is unchecked and if it is not corrected, if it does not change. It's dangerous and it's called contempt. The most dangerous of all. And it says this, You idiot. You disgust me. You idiot. I can't believe this. I mean, I knew. I knew you would do this. I knew this about you. You idiot. Contempt. Oh, it is so dangerous. And every time we show contempt, the marble comes out, and I would say maybe by the handful's contempt. But Paul says, no, no. There's a better way. You know why? He says, because love is not rude. There's a better way. Love is not rude. And slowly, slowly, the jar gets lower, and it gets lower, And it gets lower. One sentence at a time. One behavior at a time. One facial expression at a time. It gets lower and lower. One interruption at a time. It gets lower. Now here's a side note. Let me give you a warning. This side note is not for everyone. But somebody in here needs to hear this. Here's a warning. Side note. The love trust jar that you're holding. If you are steadily making withdrawals. And they're taking them out. Because of your contempt. Or your stonewalling. Or your criticism. Any of that. Side note. They may be coming out of your jar. Out of your love trust jar. And going into somebody else's. Just a side note. That does not say that that is right. Clearly. God tells us that is not right. That is wrong. I just want you to be aware. If you keep making withdrawals. It's possible. That they may be taking those. And placing them in another jar. This morning we want to help you turn a corner. Because in your relationship, whether it's at work with a coworker, a working relationship with, with a boss, a, a family relationship with a child or a parent or a sibling, an aunt or an uncle or a cousin or a neighbor or just a friend, in every relationship, opportunities arise. An opportunity arises, and it's all of those small moments that I just talked about. And they come many times a day. Opportunities arise, those small moments. And we have a question to ask ourselves. Will we selfishly turn away from that person? and if we do a withdrawal is made if we selfishly turn away from that person slowly the jar is going to be emptied one opportunity at a time if we selfishly turn away and we are proving to that person opportunity After opportunity, and we turn away from them, we turn away from them. Opportunity after opportunity, we are proving to that person, you're right, I cannot be trusted. Yeah, it's going to, you're right, I can't be trusted. I turn away from you. Opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And if you can't be trusted, they will never remove their armor They will never remove their armor, and they will never enter into the relationship arena with you. Because you've just proven that your love is not patient, and your love is not kind, as you turn away from them opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. So instead, they have... Experienced your love differently. Not patient, not kind. No, no, no. They've experienced your love as criticism. And they've experienced your love as defensiveness. And as stonewalling. And as contempt. But when the opportunity arises, and if God is working in and through your life, making changes inside of you, when the opportunity arises, and God is at work in your life, In that moment, guess what is beginning to happen? Paul said it. Love is patient. And love is kind. So rather than you turning away from that person, rather than turning away, you turn toward that person. And guess what happens when you turn toward them in that small moment? A deposit is made. And guess what happens when the next opportunity arises? When you could turn away from them and do your own selfish thing and do what you want to do and watch what you want to watch and talk about what you want to talk about and go where you want to go when you turn away from them. But if you choose instead to turn toward them, a deposit is made. Every single time, instead of turning away, you turn toward them. Every single time a deposit is made, but we have a tendency. We say, "I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm, in this moment, I'm gonna turn away, but I, I'm, I'll be okay, cause, you know, we got a special event coming up, and I'll make some deposits then. Birthday, I'll recognize the birthday. Big moments, special wins. Hey, we're gonna watch Super Bowl together. We'll get some extra time. Big deposits. We wait on the big deposits so we keep turning away from them and all of those little small ones day after day after day after day waiting to say, I will make up for it with the big moment. And you can never make enough deposits ever to fill a jar even with a lifetime of big moments. It won't happen. Birthdays, anniversary, uh, special wins, You'll never make it. Maybe even you go and you say, Hey, I'm and you make some public post on Facebook and you think there's a big win. No. You can't say enough public things on Facebook to get a deposit. The deposits are made in those small moments. Small moments. small moments. That's where you get the deposits. That's when the trust love jar, the love trust jar begins to fill. When you're thinking of them instead of what you want. Selfless. Patient. Kind. Patience and kindness, even when things don't go your way, still patient and kind and you begin stacking those events, those small, what seemingly insignificant moments where you turn toward them instead of away, you begin stacking those up, and over the course of time, you lay a brand new foundation of what Paul calls love that is patient and kind, even in the midst of conflict. And you stack those moments up consistently over time. And you will fill the love trust jar. Because that's where you add the vast majority. There's not enough big moments in your life to fill up a jar. It's in the small moments. Over time. If you are little by little. Acting on those small moments and turning toward them. Little by little, you are beginning to create a safe and trusting environment for your relationship arena with that person. It brings with it a psychological and an emotional safety. Meaning, here's what that means. That that person can pretty accurately predict what your reaction will be toward you. Toward them. They can pretty confidently predict how you will respond to them. Even in conflict in struggle, they can predict how you will respond to them. And that prediction will say this, I know, I'm pretty confident you're going to respond to me with patience and kindness. Why do they know that? Because you have slowly, over the course of time, filled the love, trust, jar. Now, some things can happen to help you build that. For you to create a safe environment of patience and kindness. There are some things you can do to add marbles to that trust jar. One of those is listening. Not planning your response. Not planning your defense. Listening to them as you're talking. Listening to them. Not planning what you're going to say next. Not hoping that they're going to stop it real soon. So that you can say what you want to say. Listening to them another thing you can do is by just staying curious by asking questions to them just staying curious not trying to defend yourself trying to explore their feelings their emotions what they're going through staying curious about their perspective. I'm not trying to say whether it's right or wrong, whether they're right or wrong. No, no, you're just staying curious about their perspective. It's it's about being honest with them with kindness, not ruthless, brutal honesty that tears people down in the name of honesty. No, no, no. Honesty with kindness. It's you not sharing your conversation that you had with that person, not sharing it with someone else. It's keeping their confidence. If you and another person are going to enter into that relationship arena together, and if you are going to remove your armor, if you are going to choose to be vulnerable, then here's what that means. You must create with that person some psychological, emotional safety, or they will never, ever enter that arena with you. And if your love trust jar is not full enough, then don't force them into the arena. Take the time to fill the love trust jar. Take the time. And if your jar is not full enough, then there's only one reason why. Because you have not done what it takes consistently to have it filled. If your love trust jar is not full enough, then you have made more withdrawals than you have deposits. And if you're going to do the loving thing and enter into the relationship arena with this person, and if you're going to be unarmed and unarmored, then you must fill your love trust jar. What does all of this mean for you right now? You know, it's going to take vulnerability for you to get all of this started. It's going to take vulnerability. Because you being vulnerable in this relationship, as this trust is increasing. We're not vulnerable without trust. But as it is increasing, you being vulnerable is the foundation for you to make progress in this relationship. It's going to be a huge step. We're asking you this week to begin looking for opportunities for you to see and recognize opportunities where you have so frequently naturally turned away from that person in selfishness. We're going to ask you to begin looking for opportunities where you can turn toward that person instead of away. And we have some homework for you this week to help you in that process of beginning to turn toward that person, and I pray that you will pick up that homework as you leave today. I hope you you will pick it up, because I hope that this is not just something that is encouraging to you, not just something that is motivating to you. I hope you are seeing this is something that you are going to have to do in relationship. As you begin turning in those small opportunities toward that person. And you know what? Jesus showed us how. Everything that Paul has told us that we've talked about so far. He he didn't make that up. That's Jesus. He got it from Jesus. Jesus showed us the best way. His way of love. Jesus showed us. Because Jesus looked at you and he looked at the slob called Harley and he said, I am patient with you. And he didn't just say it, he showed us. He showed us his patience with us. He showed us his kindness with us by giving us grace and his mercy instead of condemnation and contempt. He showed us. And my friends, I just want to be very, very, very honest with you. You can take some of the steps that we've talked about. And you can see a little bit of change and some some encouragement. You can see that. But until you you have surrendered your life to the care and the control of Jesus Christ, there will be no lasting change in you. Because that comes from Him and a relationship with Him. And so I beg you, the starting place of all of this is your relationship with Jesus where you surrender your life right now to His care and to His control and allow Him to change you and then begin changing your relationships as you follow His way, the way of love. And it says this, His love is patient and his love is kind. Will you surrender to him? Let's pray. God you told us. You said you want to show us a better way. That the way that is best of all in this life and that way is love and that way you showed us your love is patient and your love is kind. And God, you showed us that. You showed us your great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were in the middle of sinning. And that love that nailed you to the cross, that love that put the crown of thorns on your head, that that love that tied you to the whipping post, that love created All we need. And that is you, Jesus. That love is patient. And that love is kind. And it is in Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.